Hey East Meets West listeners, in this week's episode, Albert and I tackle the recent news out of the US that TikTok may be banned due to privacy and national security concerns. As the TikTok CEO fronted Congress, memes are being shared of seemingly tech illiterate Congress members asking whether the app can connect to home Wi-Fi when being used. But is there substance behind the supposed security concerns and what's likely to happen? We break it down in this week's episode. Keep listening and enjoy. Welcome to the East Meets West podcast, a podcast about understanding Asia tech and how Asia tech affects the world. My name is Dan. Joining me, as always, from Astral Ventures, Albert. What's up? Dan, this is a really good episode. I feel like we should just dive straight into it because it is highly political, which is funny because today is an election day here in New South Wales. It's very timely to do a highly political episode. Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard on the ground in New South Wales, not everyone's getting their democracy sausage. And Albert, in this episode, my argument is democracy is dead. Uh, <laughs> the American government is coming after TikTok and, and all Chinese companies. But let's let's take a step back. Albert, set the scene for us, because this is, this is a bit like deja vu. Back when Trump was president, there were similar calls to ban TikTok. So take us through a little bit of the history, what's happening here. Yeah, this is, a, like you said, great. Um, there's a bit of backdrop here, but for all those, and, and just to bring it on speed, TikTok, the app, we've covered it before. There's an episode that you can dive into. It's owned by a parent company called ByteDance, which is headquartered or is a Chinese-based company. Uh, a number of years ago, when Trump was president, there was an attempt to ban or force TikTok to sell its US operations or to leave the US entirely over concerns, privacy concerns, that it was spying on US citizens and then feeding that information back to the Chinese government. So this is this kind of a long-standing, or not long-standing, but at least recent history of TikTok um, and a bit of political tension around the US. I think the backdrop to this is um, there is a Chinese law that says that Chinese internet companies have to turn over all and any data that the CCP or the government demands in China, and that well, power is not limited to, you know, Chinese borders. So that if you are a Chinese company, a Chinese internet company, you have to turn over that data, regardless of whether that that you're operating within China or not. And so that's kind of a backdrop that people are worried about when it comes to ByteDance and and TikTok. Yeah, there's there's a few things we need to just get straight straight away, Albert. Because and this is the thing when you look at different media reports particularly when there's congressmen and women saying various things, it all gets very, very confusing. But just to cut through a couple of those there, the law is the 2017 National Intelligence Law in China, and essentially it states that any organization, not just tech companies, must assist or cooperate with state intelligence work. And then there's a counter-espionage law, which also says that relevant organizations may not refuse the collection of evidence for any investigation. So broad language, and if I were to summarize it, essentially, yes, there is a legal mechanism in China where they can request data from Chinese companies about foreign citizens. But as the TikTok CEO has sort of said in recent hearings, Chinese government never has actually asked for that data. And a key thing that's changed since the sort of President Trump attempt to ban TikTok is there's been this ongoing 
Project Texas is what TikTok calls it, where all American data from the American operations is being stored in the United States through Oracle servers. And really the whole point there is you're quarantining US citizen data. So even if the Chinese government did request that information, TikTok wouldn't be able to hand it over because it's in American or foreign servers. Now, there has been rumors, you know, where there's media reports saying employees are saying, oh, China can still access everything anyway. But in terms of the hard evidence that we have, it seems to suggest that things are quarantined. Yeah, I mean, it's always tough to say that because you never know what's actually going on behind the scenes. And I I don't want to speculate and say that, you know, what the... (laughs) No, sorry, 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 but I I, I don't want to... I mean, you can, you can say, I guess you could say that broadly about a lot of technology companies. And there's obviously been scandals over the previous years, like Facebook and Cambridge yep. Analytica. And it was this week that the TikTok CEO was in front of Congress in the congressional hearing, answering some of those questions. And, you know, I watched a bit of that during the week. And I definitely feel like Congress and, and that hearing probably really butchered it. Like, you know, they... They don't have the same kind of digital maturity when it comes to just dissecting some of these businesses. So the, the questions they ask are really basic. They're often interrupting. They should um, listen to Fresh Cat more. Definitely. They definitely should listen to Fresh Cat more. And I, I think that because there's kind of digital immaturity within Congress and government in the US, they, they probably think about this in a very like binary sense. It's like you're spying on, you know, Australian citizens or American citizens, sorry. Um you know, TikTok equals bad. There's obviously a lot of nuance to that. I think I read this um, really interesting thought piece by Noah Smith, who's like a, a writer that I really like who covers kind of Chinese-US relations. And he kind of rationalized it from a, a standpoint where China has been very aggressive uh, in how it censors US media. So obviously it's like banned Google and Facebook and they've got its own like analogous apps in China. But the US hasn't done that. They've acted more like a clearinghouse for globalization where they've allowed a lot of companies to come in and operate even with Chinese influence. And part of that is obviously because they believe in the free market and and democracy and people making their own choices. I think part of that is this like, highly asymmetrical, which is how Noah Smith puts it, relationship between China and US tech companies versus Chinese tech companies and the US, where those companies in China who come to the US get to enjoy the benefits of the US's view in globalization, but technology companies from the US don't get to benefit from that. And so part of this move, I think, is really the US trying to take back power on a global stage and, and act, you know, a, a staunch, you know, China a bit. Because I, I don't think the arguments around, like, competition and trying to protect, you know, American kids from attention spans and addictions or, you know, they're worried about, you know, this Chinese company taking market share, those aren't the concerns of Congress and, and those would be fair concerns. The, the concerns are around privacy, and I think it stems from politically the US trying to take back power. Yeah, well, I mean, we started this podcast saying this is a political issue and politics is just about the allocation of, of power. The Where I think Noah Smith maybe is, is a little bit blinkered in that he is, from the sounds of it, focusing on the tech industry, if you broaden the lens, 
you can't say that America has not benefited through trade and other means through not the exploitation because it's fair trade and whatever, but through other goods and services with China. They've really grown their economy on the cheapness of goods, labor. You can look at companies like Nike, huge American companies, Walmart, which have really benefited from the lower costs of goods and services in China. But let, let's let's put that to a side, Albert. I think one thing that you really highlighted, which was quite you know interesting and salient to this issue, was you know is this a case of America now starting to change its principles and adopt maybe a little bit more of a Chinese policy towards different apps? And I think the reason why that's such a salient point is because it goes to the question: Is TikTok doing anything different than other social media or other apps just in general? Uh, I mean, definitely not, right? Like the kind of information, it's probably worth really quickly talking about the the information that TikTok is alleged to be storing on US citizens, things like location, so like where someone's based or where they're posting from, face prints, which are like screen grabs or, or, um, you know, your your facial structure that's used for facial recognition software, voice prints, browsing data, you know, there's lots of things that show that TikTok has access to text messages, um, has backdoors into other parts of your mobile phone based on the permissions and things like that you might give explicitly or, or, or implicitly because you're not thinking. It's not really a backdoor if you're explicitly giving No, consent. that's true. That's true. But, it, I mean, there's also all, all these things that people are concerned about. And these these are pieces of information that U.S. companies do collect. And, you know, not just U.S. companies, but, you know, Android, Google, you know, lots of companies collect this information because the more data you have on your end users the more you can build a, like a customized and tailored advertising experience, which is the monetization policy of these organizations. I think the double layer concern is that the worry about this national security law that enables Chinese the Chinese government to access this data on request. This is where I think digging into it is is quite interesting because if you, I was just having looking at a Wirecutter article from uh, this year, which they downloaded, you know, 250 of the popular App Store apps. And then particularly with the new Apple updates, they were able to sort of track through and see, well, what data were these apps harvesting? And, you know, if, if you just delete all your social media apps, you might think, okay, great, I'm safe, my data's secure, I've got privacy. Your standard run of the new news apps, so CBS, BBC, New York Times, etc., they send on average data to about five trackers each, including your browsing history, location, etc. If anyone is looking for a house or in the rental market at the moment, these apps are some of the most heavy data harvesters there are in terms of just getting your shopper, renter profiles and sending them all over the place. And then even your innocent weather apps are the most common apps for harvesting your location data and then sending it on. So out of you know the 20 most popular weather apps, 17 of them are taking your data and sending them else, elsewhere. So I, I appreciate that in the social media world, getting your face screams, getting all these other bits of, of identifiers and data on you can be used for various purposes. But a lot of this data is already being used by other apps. And to me, the, the great unfairness of it, Albert, seems to be that there's just this suggestion that because the Chinese government could ask for it, through their laws, that's th- for that reason we need to ban TikTok, even if all the data is held onshore in the US and it is impossible for that data to be taken. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's an argument about 
who has access to the data given that it's about so i don't think like an in on the abstract i should say it's not about the fact that like u.s companies don't do this uh, and chinese companies do because all these companies do the same thing i think i think it's about the fact that the u.s aren't worried about u.s companies weaponizing u.s data where they are worried about a chinese company weaponizing u.s data which is why there's this geopolitical lens to it. So, like, I'll give you an example. Is like, you know, again, obviously speculating here, but when you collect this much information about U.S. citizens, they could start to influence elections. And we obviously saw that with, say, Cambridge Analytica and Facebook. And and so the worry for uh, the U.S. government is that you now have foreign influence on US elections. And there's obviously always, almost always going to be foreign influence, but now you've got a company that is amassing and potentially weaponizing that data. This is spicy because I was just going to throw in, ask uh, the Latin American countries about American influence in their elections. But let's let's move past all of that. Um, I think you raise a good point here, Albert, but I think if we really hone in, because I, I was really trying to comb through and see, well, what are these security threats? And... I think the interesting thing is it's actually not the breadth of data that's being collected that is a concern of of many of the security professionals. There's sort of two main cases that they put. One is like very specific targeted tracking. So that's where not only essentially the Chinese government would have to have someone which they're targeting already. Maybe it's a government official, whoever it is. And then they try and access their specific data to get more of a, a bead on them. So that absolutely would be a concern from from my perspective. The second, though, is, as you said, Albert, is this sort of algorithm bias where they could manipulate the TikTok algorithm to show certain things during an election that could be particularly persuasive to favor one candidate over the other. And I think the, the CEO of TikTok did a good job, I think, of knocking this one a little bit on the head, which is, you know... It's kind of completely against TikTok's business model. Like the whole thing that made TikTok successful was this sort of, they managed to take virality and put it in a bottle. And that virality is because what they were showing on people's feeds was organic and was what people wanted to see. The idea that top down, you would then be manipulating what people want. I don't think that works. Like I think people, particularly the younger generation now, as we would call ourselves, like we got a pretty good sniff test for like what's an ad, what isn't organic, what's not real. And I think as soon as a company actually tried to mess with the algorithm a bit, people would start noticing they're getting things that they don't want. And that to me would would immediately set off the alarm bells. Actually, this is why I don't think it sets off the alarm bells because on TikTok, you get shown a thousand different things, right? Like you can quickly scroll through TikTok and given its feed, the, the randomness, the virality, like... The way TikTok operates is it just shows you something and it may not be something you've ever seen before and then it uses that as a test. You could easily slip in and there's definitely like news stories about this, about the algorithm starting to steer towards disinformation around the war in Ukraine. And that's because, you know, partly how that algorithm works, but also if you have top-down influence, you can quickly start to show this kind of disinformation without people thinking twice about why they're seeing it because the algorithm itself is so random, right? Like you can quickly flick through things. I don't have TikTok on my phone anymore, but uh, I'm sure anyone who's listening to this who does have TikTok can quickly test like, you know, maybe two out of 10 things that they see 
are things that are super weird and they just quickly flick through it. Even if it's one or two seconds of misinformation, like that can slowly build up over time. All right, Albert, let's, let's start wrapping up. Give us your sort of projection. Like what, what do you think the outcome of this is? Do you think TikTok is going to get banned? To be honest, I think it's going to get banned. Like there's this heightened political tension that's happening right now in the US between US and China. I think Biden is like on a clear path to do this and to take a hard stance to, uh, you know, help kind of boost his reputation. And, but I don't think it's going to get banned. I think there's going to be a forced sale to a US company. Interesting. Well, I mean, the, the thing to note there is even if they sell the, the Chinese stake, you know, these are the founders they're talking about essentially because 60% are global investors like SoftBank, 20% are employees of the company, and the remaining 20% is, you know, the initial founders who are of, of Chinese descent. If they sold tomorrow, it wouldn't change any of the data practices of TikTok now. So that, that's why to me this is such a red herring. But if we go down that, that pathway, Albert, I, I kind of agree with you. I think that's where we're going to go. And there is precedent. So what I've been surprised about is more media companies haven't been bringing this up. This, isn't been, this hasn't been a directive from the Biden government. In fact, they've been asking the Biden government, are you planning on banning it? And they're sort of holding fire, not saying one way or the other. Because what's driving this is the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, CFRUS. And essentially, you know, they're vetting what's happening with TikTok and they're the ones suggesting that they should sell. This happened before to a well-known app called Grindr. So in 2016 or between 2016 and 2020, the CF uh, IUS, they gave the same directive to Grindr, which had a 60% stake by Beijing Kunlong Tech. And they said that you have to sell out of this app because of similar concerns. You know, obviously uh, there's a contingent of lesbian, bi, gay people in America and having their data at risk from a foreign influence was seen to be too risky by this committee. And they were successful in, in essentially getting them to sell. So with that precedent in mind, I, I think this is the way it's going to go. Um, there's obviously more mechanics available to the United States government where they could legislate so that Biden can make a directive to ban the app. But as you say, Albert, I think we're on that pathway. And now it's just a question of time until we get there. Yeah, I mean, the data practices are still going to continue, but I think there's comfort from Congress when you have a US-owned company who owns this information and it potentially becomes at arm's length from ByteDance and, and potential like CCP or Chinese government influence. All right, Albert, any last words? Look, I mean, we, we both could be wrong. You know, you know it's, it's, it's difficult for me to come out and be so strong about this because, like, we never know how this is going to play out and TikTok could be, like, an incredibly pervasive or more pervasive company than it is right now in a number of years' time and I could be completely wrong, right? No, but, we're, well, you might be wrong, but I'm definitely going to be right on this. Uh, you know, I think we're down a dangerous pathway where, and I've said this before, particularly on our computer chip uh, semiconductor episodes, it's clear I think economies are going to be sort of bifurcated between an American system and Chinese system. And, you know, if we're just talking about broader trends, which we're going to be looking at on the pod in the future, it's clear that it's not only affecting, you know, the supply of physical goods and hardware, but now it's also in the sort of tech, uh, social media companies as well. So an interesting trend to keep track of. But let's wrap up there. Thank you for listening to the East Meets West podcast, a podcast about understanding Asia tech and how Asia tech affects the world and how the world try and fights back against tech as well. <laughs>
<laughs> Ooh, interesting close out, Dan. Interesting close out. <laughs> Thanks for listening this week, and we'll catch you next time. See ya.